your girlfriend wants to fuck a fairy. <laughs> I repeat, all of your girlfriends want to fuck fairies. Am I right or am I right? You're not wrong. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> is there okay, is there a difference between fairy and fae? Um in this series, yeah, so like that term in itself is like problematic in the books. It kind of means like the upper class of fairies, the one who are able to do a lot of magic and they have pointed ears. And then the fairies, they call them lesser fairies. They often look inhuman. So they might have like blue skin or bark for skin. I think their magic might be more limited. And what series would this be, Kate? <laughs> this is the A Court of Thorns and Roses series. So we decided that the series is so special to us that uh, we decided we were going to talk about Farah's story first, and then we're going to record another episode later on and talk about Nesta's story. Can I say that I know... When you first recommended A Court of Thorns and Roses to me, I started it by reading and then I ended up listening to them on, on audiobooks because I like to get stuff done at the same time. I like multitasking. Focusing on one thing is very hard. But because I just heard the audiobooks, it was really hard to talk to you about the characters because I didn't know how to spell Feyre or Resand. <laughs> and so sometimes I know I misspelled it and I just hope that you didn't notice because I never read her name that often. That is totally fair because there's a lot of really strange names uh, in this series. Yes. And so I, I struggled I struggled with that a little bit. I thought that Valaris was spelled like the Mexican airline Volaris and it's very much not. Just uh, fun fun little surprises when you actually get to talk about how other people interpreted the same exact thing you just digested. For sure. And like who knows, you know, how the person who read the book pronounced everything. Like maybe that wasn't correct. We have no idea. I love that we brought that up in the last episode. We pronounced like resend, resand different ways. And all I could think about was that episode of The Simpsons where Marge yells out, Bart, run like the wine! <laughs> Mom, it's wind! Well, I've only read it in books. <laughs> and it's so true! That's actually a really good point. <laughs> so it's like, we're not the first ones and we're certainly not the last to experience this it's true english is a very complicated language <laughs> it is a complicated language especially when you're discussing fantastical terms like in a court of thorns and roses where you've got the high fey and all sorts of interesting new words but also in regards to like fey versus fairy it's kind of crappy that there's a class system that kind of unfortunately has been in like the history of forever like there's there's always some sort of class system even now in 2022 oh for sure and i mean i'm hoping it's a topic that's going to be addressed in future books because they definitely deal with you know like themes like racism and stuff like that and they point out that the term high fae and lesser fairies is problematic uh but then the characters just keep using it <laughs> yeah I, yeah. I noticed it like this time when I was rereading it. I was like, where do you keep saying it? Like use a different term or something. I thought that high fae meant that they were like the royalty, which I guess is still like contributes to the class system. But I didn't know it was a race thing necessarily in the A Court of Thorns and Roses universe. I thought it was your high fae if you are part of like the royal bloodline, like high as in royalty. Oh, well, so I, I totally see where you would think that because it is that class system where the ones with like all the magic, the ones that are beautiful, they're the high fae and they're also the ones who rule. So it's like all rulers are high fae, but all, all high rulers fae are hot. <laughs> all high fae are hot. <laughs> in the characters, at least in this book, it seems like they're all hot. But I got to say, because so Tamlin, the the main protagonist in the first A Court of Thorns and Roses book, he's considered high fae? Yes. Right. Okay. 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 It's, it's coming <laughs> together. I, man, 
I understand the direction that the whole series went, but isn't it so interesting how the whole first book is like, all right, we're setting you up with this guy and we're laying our life on the line for this guy. (laughs) And then the rest of the series just takes a whole other direction. Yeah, that's something I definitely wanted to talk about before we start on that. I just want to <laughs> tell everyone that this episode is going to have so many spoilers. And I feel like this is such a special book series. I love it so much. It's like what got me back into reading as an adult. And so if you want to read this, I would say pause this, go read it, and then come back uh, because I really don't want to spoil this for anybody. It's such a nice read to have because it was the same thing for me. It very much brought reading back into my adult life. And if anything, I'm really bad at getting my normal responsibilities done because now all I want to do is read and listen to smutty books. (laughs) And it all started with A Court of Thorns and Roses. So definitely read it for yourself. It's so worth it. It's so fun. Uh, But yeah, the audiobooks, like I liked it for for the ease of it, but I do think that the narrator who did the first uh, book at least is a little monotonous in her tone, and it might be more fun. Oh, actually, no, don't don't read the the normal <laughs> audiobook because now there is like an audio play version of A Court of Thorns and Roses, and they have voice actors for each character. So, did you listen to that? Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, but it's only the first half of the book. So it's oh. literally right when she basically meets Resand oh is roughly where it ends. But you do get a teensy weensy taste of smut in it because Ooh. there's the scene where, you know, she's already living with Tamlin in his castle. And there's that scene where he goes out and he has the right <laughs> or whatever that scene is. And he comes back and he's like all up on her (laughs) neck how did i know that you were going to be like oh yeah the scene where he bites her (laughs) that's kind of that's the only smut that happens in the first half of the book there's like a little sex scene but it's not very descriptive no wait which one there's like a tamlin sex scene he goes down on her and then they have sex but i don't think it's very descriptive in the first book after he bites her Yeah, I'm talking about the first half still because that's oh, all that's oh, included oh. in like this audio play version of it. I mean, it's it's still the exact same book. Like it's the exact same text, but they hired voice actors for every role. And oh my <laughs> gosh, there was a scene where Feyre was listening to Tamlin and Lucian. Wait, do you, now I got to know. Do you pronounce it Lucian or Lucian? I say Lucian. Lucian? In my head. Because <laughs> I never talk about this out loud. Aw, frick. I don't know either. Okay, well, we're talking you about You listen the to the audiobook, so you probably know better than I do. Oh, my gosh. You're the expert I now. It. I forgot <laughs> how they pronounced it. It's okay. Shoot. But anyway, they were talking to somebody from the night court in another room, and the voice actor was just kind of, what? I thought it was Resand. For a moment, and he sounded like Oogie Boogie from <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas. And I was so pissed <laughs> listening to this. I was like, You're gonna do Resan dirty? You're making him sound like a dopey villain. Oh my God. I was so angry. And yet I persisted and I kept listening. And oh my gosh, Kate, when it got to the part where she escaped outside of the home and went out during the rite and she ran into Resand, it got way better. Oh, good. I may actually yes. listen to it. I, I prefer my own narration in my head to listening to the audiobooks. I guess at least when it's like a fantasy book like this or a romance, to be, to be fair. But yeah, I would definitely say I would read the book before I would listen to any of the audiobooks. I actually mm-hmm. started off with the audiobook. I got 25% of the way in, which is like a big chunk. This is a long book. And I hated the narrator so much that I stopped and I reread the entire first like 25% of the book. Yeah, and I could really see what you meant now because I feel like you were really pushing a few times like read it. Don't 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 listen to it. Yeah, I almost like rage quit. And this is, you know, my favorite book series these days. And I Mm -hmm. almost didn't listen to it. No, I hear that. Okay, you brought up a really interesting point earlier where in the first book, you know, she's in love with Tamlin. It's like based on Beauty and the Beast. And the second Mm -hmm. book is based on Hades and Persephone. 
where, you know, the dark. <gasps> is that what that is? Yeah. I, Jesus. I think I tried I to hint. I did not know that. I think I tried to like hint it to you. But yeah, so it's trying to hint it to me. Yeah, when you were reading it, I I tried to, I think I tried to hint, like, do you know what it's based on? But I didn't want to give it away. No. So yeah, so like, okay, of course, in Hades and Persephone, you know, he steals, she's like the goddess of spring. He steals her away to the underworld and she has to live there. She's from the spring court. Yeah, and she's (gasps) forced to live there for like what? It depends on the legend, but like three months out of the year or six months out of the year, which is very similar to like their bargain. It literally had had not clicked with me until this very moment. It's okay. But it's you're not, so right. But it's not super obvious. Like it's not, um, you know, it doesn't feel cheap, if that makes sense. I didn't even notice. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. Like with uh, the first book, A Court of Thorns and Roses, I definitely got that. Oh, this is Beauty and the Beast vibes. I yeah. I got that. I did not get Hades and Persephone. But yeah, he's literally like the head of the High night Lord. court, you mm-hmm. know, so like the underworld version of of this land. And he steals her away. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And you know what? I hated him. I hated <gasps> Resand in Ooh, the I first li- book. I liked him. But I like the bad boy. Here's the thing. I like the bad boys, too. But I just it was that scene from the first book where he invades Farah's thoughts after her and Tamlin got a little bit frisky and he starts vocalizing what her horny thoughts were for (laughs) Tamlin in front of everybody. And I'm like, oh, my God, you are fucked up. (laughs) I do not like you. Oh, this is so cringy. Oh, my God. But he grew on me. When I reread it, I see so much more. When you reread it, you realize like, oh, he's trying to save her. He's trying to scare her away so she's not going to die because he loves her so much. I know. I get it now. In the Court of Mist and Fury, obviously you're rooting for them later. But for the the whole first half of the book, I was definitely like, wait a minute. Isn't she with Tamlin? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Like, I was so happy with, like, the end of the first book, and she's with Tamlin, and it's happily ever after. And then when they start having issues, like, after they go under the mountain and they're both having, like, PTSD, they start having relationship issues. And I was so bummed. Now that, like, I'm examining Tamlin's character a little bit more, he's got his priorities kind of messed up. Like, even f- when they were under the mountain, that moment where he had the opportunity to save Farah and nobody was watching when he finally had access to her. And instead of getting her the fuck out of there, he tries to have sex with her. It was crazy. I was so mad. Who does that? Who does that? She's she's been tortured because she's trying to save your life, her life, everybody's life, and all you want to do is fuck her. It was so strange. Like I didn't understand it at all. Like they're in a hallway. Obviously, there's two ends to a hallway. They could have like left. They could have escaped or at least tried to. Yes. At this point now, we know that Resand would have probably done even more to help them if Tamlin actually was trying to help her escape. So I, I think uh, I think I think Reese actually points that out. He's like, I was so mad that he tried to fuck you and didn't try to save you. Yes. Yeah. And just things like that just makes makes Resand such a good book boyfriend. Like he knows what to prioritize. He knows that safety comes first. And <laughs> that God, Tamlin just sucked. I know. That was actually one of the talking points I wrote down. I said, mm-hmm. um, what are Tamlin's red flags? Oh, God, Tamlin's red flags, his anger issues. Yes. Number one, he gets angry very easily and he's so controlling and just yeah just it's such a bad combo and the fact that it's just he's controlling and he thinks he knows best maybe if he did actually know best (laughs) then maybe but he didn't because his anger absolutely clouds his judgment so yeah by the end I'm not the biggest fan of Tamlin I don't want anything bad to happen to him of course but that's actually like way nicer than most of the sentiment I see online. Most people hate him. Like they just think he's <sighs> awful. I think he's redeemable. I think so too. I think like a lot of his issues just stem from like, yeah, the anger issues and not being able to control his PTSD. Yes. Before she dies under the mountain, he, which obviously if you're, if you didn't listen to the book, she's, she's uh, brought back to life. 
But before she dies, he lets her go out. He lets her do things. And it's not until after he has that experience of watching her die that he locks her in the house and doesn't let her leave. I kind of get that. But the fact that he doesn't even notice her when she's locked in the house, that he doesn't notice she's losing weight. She's Mm -hmm. throwing up in the middle of the night. She's crying all the time. She doesn't want to be in there. And he continues to ignore her. And he gives her the, I know best. Like I see, I kind of see that you're suffering, but this is what's best for right now. And he doesn't see that he's contributing to her just absolutely falling apart. He doesn't see that. And and I think that's the sad part. That's when it started to click like, oh no, maybe this isn't gonna work out between the two of them, which is weird when you just spent a whole ginormous book putting them together. I really like that transition though. Like I really appreciate how in Sarah J. Mass's books, it's not just like, okay, you find the person, that's it, you're with them forever. Like you know, a Disney princess story. Her characters go through different relationships and that's so realistic because that's just kind of the way life is. Say lovey. (laughs) Say lovey. Yeah, in in the beginning, it it was weird to see her with Rhysand very suddenly because I I still considered her as with Tamlin even after she left for a while. And so when they got to the the throne scene, <laughs> if you will, oh, <laughs> mother may I. I, ooh, that one got me feeling really conflicted, but mostly I loved it. But yeah, she was, I, I don't know. But maybe that was just the way that I was reading it. Maybe I was listening to it too fast on audiobooks that, that's the reason that it felt like she was still with Tamlin because just an hour ago she was. (laughs) Well, I mean, she feels conflicted about it too. But like for me, whenever he locked her in the house, I was like, yeah, uh, that's not going to work out, buddy. No, no, no. You can't control somebody that much. Like that's just going to make them resent you so much when you – and I think you brought up such like an interesting point like he doesn't see what she needs like he doesn't see that all of these things are happening to her as well and I think that's just a sign of this isn't the right relationship if your partner does not see you and see what you're going through like maybe that's just not it man no I understand that he was also suffering from PTSD. And and that was something Mm -hmm. really, really interesting. And I think that you've pointed out after they went through everything under the mountain in the first book, in the beginning of the second book, it wasn't as if nothing ever happened. Like these characters are affected by the trauma that happened from the first book. And you actually get to see it. Like it's not just like they go back to the next chapter of their lives. Like it is actively bringing them down and they are spiraling i've never seen ptsd actually conveyed that way in a book before nevertheless like a like a romance novel a smut novel (laughs) i don't know it's so real and it makes so much sense with the characters um i i really do appreciate just like the way like sarah j mass incorporates these things that are real in so many people's lives and puts them in her fantasy novels because it would be so easy just to kind of like zoom past that and be like oh it's fine it would be like they could have started the A Court of Mist and Fury. They could have started that a few chapters in basically at the point where she left to go be at the night court and it roughly would have been the same book. It was so nice to see that contrast in character development where she was just absolutely kind of falling apart, spiraling in the first half of the book. And by the second, she was so much more confident and so much more not, I don't want to say mean, but she she was harsher when it came to, to Tamlin. And she would have never talked to him or Lucin that way mm-hmm. in the first half of the book or the first book. Well, yeah, we see her character change so much over the course of the books because when we first meet her, you know, she's a human and she you know, has another form of PTSD where she's been dealing with food scarcity for a good chunk of her life. We see her come out of that and learn, you know, kind of like how to paint, like which just sort of embodies how she's seen beauty in the world again and feeling safe. Can I just say, though, what? as much as I love these books, the whole 
painting <laughs> D plot is so distracting for me and I just I can't take it seriously when it happens because it's like all of this stuff is happening in the world and then they keep talking about her painting and oh she's one of the best artists and painting is just her absolute release and I get that hobbies for sure but I just I keep picturing it like what if what if it's like that scene from not another teen movie where it's like stick figures like really basic stuff and or just <laughs> Or what if it's like not even good, but they keep talking about like, oh, I need to paint. And it's like, there's there's other stuff on the line here at this moment. Um, You mentioned this um, to me and like, I can't unsee it now. That's just me. Every time I read the scene, I'm just like, oh, she's drawing stick figures. I think we have to look at it in a metaphorical sense. You know, like this is just a reflection of her inner self or something. They bring up the painting thing a lot. Yeah. Okay, but can we go back to the throne scene, though? Because (laughs) that scene is one of the best. I wrote it down on my notes, and I put the little emoji that's sweating with the tongue out. (laughs) That scene is so hot. Oh, just like the, the slow burn and the fact that they're in front of so many people. Oh, man, like. Yeah, well, I think a big part of it is that, obviously, you know at that point, that he's a decent guy, that he's a good mm-hmm. guy at heart. But in a way, they're they're role-playing. Oh my gosh, they're yeah. role-playing in that scene where he is playing the part of the evil, cutthroat, <laughs> Satan incarnate king of the underworld kind of kind of role. And she is his whore, basically. <laughs> and it's so Hot. And I think the thing that makes it hot is that we know that it's not real. Like, she's not actually a prisoner. She's not actually, like, being forced to do any of that. It's totally consensual. We know who he is deep down. And so the fact that they get to, like, play this play up this game and obviously it's they're doing it for a reason they're doing it so they can you know progress the plot because some shit is about to go down and they they have to and so it's I don't know it's kind of hot when it's like something that they have to do yeah in in a way no I agree I and there's something about the fact that they're not together yet oh yeah you know they've had this flirtation a little bit once a couple is you know together there are a couple I don't find the sex scenes as hot. (laughs) Well, because I think you also brought up this point too, that when it comes to the actual sex scenes in smut novels, the sex scenes need to do something Mm -hmm. to progress the plot somehow or, or develop the characters. Otherwise, I don't know, there's just not much there. And I get that because after a while, yeah, there isn't much there. This scene was very 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 hot because yeah they weren't in a relationship yet and it's almost similar to how back in the first book when they were under the mountain and he would make her get drunk and sit on his lap every single night it was similar to that except this time she wasn't drunk and she got to consent even though you know under the mountain he never actually did anything to her but Mm -hmm. Still. It's one of my favorite scenes <laughs> of all time. I and I think you're so right. There's definitely like an element of role play there. That's what I think it was. Because it's like, I feel like role play is such like a popular thing in in like real people's lives. And, and, and the public At least ven- I think. I don't know. Oh, no, totally. And like in the public venue as well. Like the yes. idea that he's, you know, he's rubbing her leg. And just so everyone knows, this isn't a sex scene. He's just like rubbing her leg and kind of touching her sensually um yes like it's not sex she's just sitting on his lap while he's on his throne and he's giving orders and he's did somebody's neck get snapped or something or somebody got hurt through like magical powers and she's just sitting on him and like clearly they both look hot and bothered but no sex is actually happening he's rubbing up and down her thigh kind of like on a place where no one can see see it and that is really hot to me Because the thing is, nobody likes PDA very much in terms of being around it. But for the couple who is obviously like their head is in the party zone. Yeah, it's it's hot. I don't know. It kind of fulfills that little role in your head when you read that scene where, you know, they're doing it with a purpose. 
yeah, it's like <clears throat> they kind of have to, they're in like a very hedonistic environment and they have to play up the idea that they're, you know, just powerful and sexy and careless at the same time. Yes, but of course they're they're playing a role. I don't want to change the tangent too much because I know we're talking about A Court of Thorns and Roses series, but there was this scene in another smut book that I was reading regarding Hades and Persephone, and it was very early on in the book. Those are freaking spicy. Where basically Hades wanted Persephone to fuck in front of an audience of their peers. I know what you're talking about. Is this Neon Gods? Yes. Okay, I've read that one too. <laughs> okay, you did read that one. Okay, yes. I didn't know which one that you read. Yeah, that's interesting. There must be something appealing about it. I don't know if it's something that like I personally would ever want. I think I enjoyed the not actual sex scene from A Court of Mist and Fury at that point. Just, you know, fantasy and reality are are different and that's okay. Well, that's one of the things that's so important about smut is that you can kind of experience all these, well, not experience, but read about all of these different things that you might not feel comfortable experiencing in real life. But in a book, it might really do it for you. It's not even necessarily always your your POV. You know, you're most of the time you're reading from like a, a character's point of view. So it's just exciting to vicariously live through them. But yeah, when it comes to real life there is a lot i would not want to do but give it to me in a smut novel sure fair game there's a book that we read for my smut book club it's called desperate measures and it's retelling of i think it's jasmine and i don't know if it's aladdin Aladdin? or jafar oh my god there's basically the sex club where you can go into rooms so you can either have like a room with a window or a room with no window. And then people can just kind of walk by and watch what's going on without interacting. I don't, I don't know if I would ever want to do either of those. I mean, like, I don't think I would want to do it in real life. Yeah. I don't want people watching me, but Hey, if I am vicariously this hot literary character. Yeah, sure. Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. I have to read that one. You can put it on the list. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do we have a list now? But I do like Restand and Pharaoh. Like, obviously, I think the throne scene may have been one of the hottest scenes in all of their relationship. There were scenes later where they finally did bang. (laughs) And kind of like you said, like, because they they ended up getting together quite quickly in the series. And so the smut scenes between them, they were fun to read through. I'll read them again. No complaints here. But they just weren't as high stakes. I do remember the scene. I don't know if it is in Mist and Fury or if it was the next book because Resand, trigger warning, was very much sexually assaulted over and over and over again for about 50 years or so when under the mountain. So sex was kind of difficult for him. And so when they did finally do it and there was, I I remember the scene where she was finally able to touch his wings. Mm -hmm. That was such a, a big moment because his wings are kind of like his most sensitive part about him. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just, that one stuck out to me. Yeah, well, it's like he's finally being vulnerable with her and he couldn't be vulnerable for a long time. Well, and that's what it goes back to, like what you mentioned earlier about how like sex scenes need to serve a purpose. Yes, um, you can't just write. I mean, you can. You can just write <laughs> smut with there being no purpose and there will be an audience that will eat it up. And we will read that smut. <laughs> People will read that smut. It's People us. will listen to that smut. There are services out there that specifically only write and narrate the smut parts of stories. I, I don't know. I like the story and I feel like the story needs to matter for the smut to matter for me. Me too. Like that's a big thing for me because in mm-hmm. my smut book club, we read so much stuff that is just the sex and very little plot. And it's just, I don't know, like I just don't, it doesn't do it for me. I have to have like more of an emotional connection, which actually I think that that's pretty common for a lot of women. I think that's why we like smut books rather than porn. You know, what's another thing about it that, and I completely agree because it's all in your mind. It's not even visual for the most part. I almost don't like seeing the the fan art very much like maybe after I'm done reading but while I'm reading I don't I don't want to picture anybody else unless like I come up with it myself our minds do a better job I don't know about you but 
I think something else that I like about like books and and like audiobooks in this way versus traditional porn is that nobody is getting exploited. I don't have to worry about that potential because I know that that does happen quite a bit still in the porn industry and that doesn't happen in the smut industry that I know of. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like you don't have to really worry that like the actors are okay or that they're having a good time or that they're well paid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how well, how well paid authors are, but <laughs> actually I, I hear there's okay money in smut. I don't know. I think it's all right over there. I'm not sure if anyone's a smut author, uh, email us at smuttalkpod at gmail.com let us know we'll have you on and you can tell us the inside scoop <laughs> although kate and i dun, 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 are working on a little a little something we're, we're working on a on a smut book kind of together <laughs> yeah it's definitely all your brainchild so i don't know how much like credit i can take for it even talking to kate has helped a lot and kate will be the editor on this book because i definitely need help with direction but we kind of nailed it down it's just a matter of i need to spend more time writing <laughs> but that will probably be in the distant future not anytime soon but any current published authors please reach out to us <laughs> if you have written smuth we'd we'd love to have you on Yeah, definitely. So you brought up a really interesting point where you were talking about how you prefer the version in your head of these characters. So what do you think about the fact that Hulu is making this into a series? Oh my gosh, Kate! I'm scared. Because the thing is, with Hulu shows, they pick a very specific type of handsome slash pretty people. I don't know how to explain it. It's like CW pretty. I don't know how to explain it, but I'm really scared with who they're going to cast as Resand and Tamlin. I actually don't care that much about who they cast as Farah. Farah is kind of like a shell to me. <laughs> oh my gosh, or Azrael or just any of them. I'm so nervous. All of it. I don't think I'll watch it. I can't. <gasps> I don't think I can watch no. it. It'll ups- You're going to watch it, Gay. Come on. It'll upset me too much. You'll watch it. And you'll be upset. <laughs> that is the plan. You're, that is all of our plans. You're not wrong. <laughs> Maybe we can do a Twitch. Can we Can we do a Twitch stream if you watch that on Hulu? Wait. Or is that like a no-no? I mean, we might get banned, but whatever. <laughs> You've been Getting banned before. banned is my specialty. <laughs> I've sent you a few recommendations like, hmm, this person, not that they're like an actor actor, but it's like, this would be a good resand or this would be a good Tamlin. Like specifically for Tamlin, and I'm looking at his picture right now because I have the vinyl up on my decoration fireplace thing. Michael Carrington from Grease 2 oh, would be such a sweet little Tamlin. <laughs> There, there are a lot of good Tamlins. I, I've seen some like pretty good Feyres. I really like this girl from actually it's a Hulu show. It's called Motherland Fort Salem, and there's this one girl, and she has kind of like reddish brown hair. I think she'd be a really good Feyre. The person that you're talking about, I can see her as Feyre. <laughs> I love how you could just like Google it. You'd be like, yeah, I see her. I could see it. Resand, on the other hand, oh God, no one. I don't know TikTok girlies. Let me tell you. <laughs> If there is anybody who can be resand, my number one favorite is the guy who keeps doing the Italian date sketches. His name is Mickey Shiloa. I don't know, but he is the perfect resand in in my eyes. I hope everyone Googles him. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at his TikTok right now and he only has 74K. You should be so much bigger. That seems like a lot. It It, it is <laughs> a lot, but I just think he deserves more. But I think he would be the best resand. I think he's just so lovely and he would be fantastic. <laughs> the resand role, that's going to be hard to, to fill. For sure. I kind of hope it just never gets made because it's going to break my, I know, but it's going to break my brain. Well, th- that's what always happens though, isn't it? With Twilight, although I will say, even though he regrets it now, I did like Robert Pattinson as Edward Cullen for me being a little high school teenager who didn't know any better, who thought that controlling conservative boys, well, not conservative in the sense of like religion necessarily, but conservative in the, in the sense of I'll take care of you. I thought that was hot at the time. And I thought Robert Pattinson was good. Kristen Stewart, she was, she was good. She kind of, it, it was the directors, I think that made her act like a certain way that made her just really like more awkward that she needed to be. Listen, we all get a kick out of the Twilight series. Do we not? 
Oh, of course. And I think you bring up such an interesting point because like at Mm. that time, this sort of overprotective male lead was very popular. And we- Overprotective, uh that's the word. Overprotective, like I'm going to do everything for you. I'm strong, you're weak, but I'll take care of you. And we see that in Tamlin, right? We do. And if anything, that's such a good way to contrast the 2008 romance novels versus kind of what readers would prefer to see now. I honestly love how much we have as a society have progressed because now we have these heroes like Reason that are examples of positive masculinity. Yes. And that's why he is the ultimate book boyfriend. First of all, even though it started with kind of like a Hades Persephone kind of layout where technically he does kidnap her, even though she agreed because, you know, it was based on a bargain. But he does drag her to the underworld for a certain amount of time every month or so. But she's always very free when she can. And even when it's not a matter of their bargain, he always gives her a choice. She always has the choice to walk away or turn him down. Even she's baffled by it because I'm sure in her head she's comparing Rhysan to Tamlin who would never let her do a fraction of what Rhysan lets her do. And if anything, that just like does it for Rhysan. He is happy to give her the choice all the time. That's just natural to him. Like, of course you always have a choice. It's not even a thought. Isn't that wild? He not only gives her a choice, he's supportive of her whatever choice she makes. Okay, you can make this choice, but I'm not going to support you and you're going to be dead to me. <laughs> Remember when like there's like a battle going on and she's supposed to watch it, but instead she goes to the middle area and looks for the Suriel? Moore was mad at her. She's like, you know, you put yourself in danger. You didn't tell anyone where you were going to. But Reese mm-hmm. was just like, it's okay, baby. Whatever you do, like, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yes, and... <laughs> See, that's what I really, 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 really love about Resand. Or wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, we're only talking about the first four books, right? Yes, not the okay. Silver Flames. I haven't read it. Okay, I know you haven't read it, and we'll do another episode whenever you do get to read it. I'm so excited. But I will say the last book is not from Vera's point of view. It's from her sister's point of view, Nesta. And it's so interesting to see how differently Farah and Resand are portrayed from somebody else's point of view. It's so interesting. And, you know, that's just, you know, credit to the author. But yeah, in, in the books that we're currently talking about, Resand is mwah, the, the best <laughs> book boyfriend and gives all the choices. And we love to see it. We love the freedom. Yeah. I just love just like, he's just such a positive role model for men these days. Guys, take note. Literally, take notes, please. (laughs) Go read it, take some notes, and then report back to me. Fellas, take notes. Not only, I mean, I don't know how many fellows are going to even listen. By fellas, I mean my husband. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) is Dave going to listen? I don't know. I'm probably. He's been very supportive, which is really nice. If you ever, not, not, I'm not talking to Dave anymore. I'm talking about any person (laughs) out there who wants to get their partner in the mood. Primarily men, yes, but this could apply to anybody. If you ever want to help get your partner in the mood, read him a smut novel. What's your favorite novel? What's your favorite scene? You Imagine if your significant other read you the throne scene. Oh, God. And honestly, like any book, any like. The Da Vinci Code. (laughs) Bible. Uh, (laughs) Any smut book, I think, could do that. But that brings up such an interesting point because I do feel like after that sort of experience of like reading these books for an entire year, I feel just like so much more confident in myself. And it doesn't have anything to do with like my partner. I feel like reading smut really helps you know what you want. I think it's so important to pinpoint not only what you want in the bedroom, but what you don't want in the bedroom. Because I am able to to articulate that I don't want any submission. I don't want any dirty talk. I don't want you to call me baby girl. I don't want you to call me a slut. And that's honestly very valuable if you can pinpoint what you do like and what you don't like. I mean, I know you kind of mentioned it right now. Like, don't don't call me that. Like, I'm no degrading... No, I, I know that that's popular in like porn that is usually, you know, made by men for men. I've been surprised like how many women actually like it. I'm sure it is a thing. I'm not, I'm not. No, saying, no. I like, mean, I'm not speaking for other women. I'm just kind of speaking for me. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, take notes, boys. 
<laughs> but yeah, I've, I've been surprised because, you know, we have the book club, we have many members in there, and then there's also like online communities. So I see a lot of what just sort of women are looking for in these novels and people's preferences range so wildly. And I think it's like so valuable that you can just say, you know, hey, I want to read this and that, and these are my triggers. You can just be a lot more vocal with your partner if you know what you want. You know what? I mean, I know that this is a a slight tangent, but there's this one creator that (laughs) I follow on TikTok. And I think that I shared one of their TikToks on in in like our little group chat once and everybody kind of like, shit on him but I, I like what he says sometimes but he was specific because I think he's like an adult content creator and he was talking about he's like I tried this wholesome thing recently where he was with a girl and he told her to tell him how lucky he was it was like Aww. wholesome praising is the way that yeah. he des- he described it and he was just like you would not believe just what it did in that moment and I'm like oh my gosh I can imagine (laughs) that's like the flip side of the coin too is that there's a lot of women who have a praise kink which I didn't even know was a thing I I do think that like a lot of the stuff you see in porn you feel like you need to embody as a woman which is everything you know everything is important so as a woman you feel like I need to be everything the slut the whore the nun the sexy teacher the schoolgirl. I have to be all of those things but you don't you just have to know what you want do you ever feel like the books that we read could also be damaging no because <laughs> one it's not visual there's no one to visually compare and if anything the books will get you going and because it's it's all literally in your mind it's not like there's a physical person out there who you could follow on twitter or or instagram and comment as a way to you know send out a line and if they ever respond then it's like oh shoot no with books there isn't that parasocial connection whatsoever not even a hint of it it's completely made up and imaginary I definitely think that there is a huge difference between traditional porn and books no I I totally agree I guess I was thinking more like um do you think your standards are too high now? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Kate, my, oh no. What? Oh no. My standards are higher. It's it's resulted in me being way more celibate. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Because, I mean, I've gone on like a few dates. And if I feel nothing, I'm not going to do anything with them. But yes, my standards are high. And I'm okay with being on my own than lowering my standards and compromising in that way. I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> perfect. That's where you should be. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in like any rush or anything right now. So yeah, chemistry is really important too. Oh my gosh. Okay, so yes, chemistry is important. And then I also see these things online and I'm sure I could find a study or maybe this is just bro science. <laughs> I don't know. But supposedly sometimes it's possible to confuse chemistry with your body's fight or flight system where Mm -hmm. your body's actually trying to warn you against a certain feeling because sometimes people can just be triggering your your inner anxiety and that's so closely linked to what it feels like to be excited and it could be mixed up with chemistry when really they're just making you feel anxious it's hot in the moment but maybe you're just insecure or something so this is why we like bad boys is what you're telling me this is probably why we like bad oh damn it's okay you know who's the worst bad boy who nicholas cage in national treasure sabrina (laughs) that's not what this is not where i thought you were going I imagine so many other people. Hear me out. If you rewatch a national treasure, yeah, you know, they're finding the treasure. But there's also this B plot of him and the woman who works at the archives. And they have this weird sexual tension. But if you go back and watch the movie, he's making her compromise her job for the sake of the Declaration of Independence. And it's all for the greater good. But we have to break some laws. We have to crack (laughs) some eggs. But if you watch it, 
He is fucking deplorable. He is negging. He is rude. <laughs> he is patronizing. And he is not the bad boy that I'm talking about when I say I want a bad boy. <laughs> no, I want Resan. I don't want him. Okay, so like I, I just Googled it because I was like, what did Nick Cage look like back then? And this is from 2004. Is this just how men talk to women in 2004? Yes. <laughs> Constant yes. negging. Yes. Well, absolutely. If you go back and if you watch any romantic comedies from the mid 2000s, a lot of the writing is abysmal. It's so mm -hmm. bad. Like rewatching Friends, rewatching How I Met Your Mother. It's like oh, a lot of these romantic scenes are not that romantic. And Scrubs too. Like Scrubs is kind of hard to oh. watch these days. Yeah. There has been a big leap in writing when it comes to like including women and what women might like since the mid 2000s. And I think a big part of it is there's just more women in writing now than there used to be. Thank goodness. And I mean, women are the ones writing smut mostly. Exactly. And I know we, we touched on this like a little bit in the last one, but most of the smut that I've liked so far, I don't think I've read any smut written by men, but most of the smut that I read has been written by women because women know what we want it's true and and we want men written by women oh my gosh that's why i i don't want to go too much into this but that's why i love michael carrington from grease 2 did you watch that <laughs> no i didn't grease 2 is it recent grease 2 oh my wait was, that was a while ago right it was in the 1980s jesus christ Rita. okay i'm googling him he's pretty are you thinking Tamlin? Yes. Okay, I can see Tamlin. Right? I can totally like, see that. He would that. be a good Tamlin. There's a softness, but also you know that there's a rough side. Oh, yeah. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> what does he look like well, now? Oh, don't look at that. Don't look at that. No, no, no. We are living, we are living in the 80s for this one. I'm not going to go into Greece too, but, you know, he's very much the soft, sweet, good guy <laughs> do you remember the first grease movie yeah the yeah, yeah. main one of people or some people the just call it just one. grease as they call it they don't <laughs> even say grease one <laughs> i know you remember how danny and sandy had their thing and she had to change at the end of the movie because even though he liked her as she was in the beginning uh, for like his social status and crap he didn't accept her as she was and so by the end of the movie she had to change who she was entirely to conform to to what he wanted and that kind of sucked but in Greece too I mean oh god I want us to watch it <laughs> sometime let's do like a discord call and let's watch it please absolutely but in Greece too it's slight role reversal where Michelle Pfeiffer Stephanie Zanoni of the pink ladies she's the one that this guy Michael wants and he's a new student he doesn't know anything and instead of getting involved with him not even having a relationship with him she tells him hey I want a bad boy and you are too goody two shoes for me. I'm not going to spoil it too much, but it, it doesn't force him to change necessarily, but it just helps him discover more things. It helps him discover his own sexuality, which he probably wasn't looking into before. And so that was something that I really liked by Grease too. It's so good at like getting the female gaze done right because it's like directed by women, I believe. And so when characters are written, like male characters are written by women, they and the audience is for women, they really nail what we what? 100%. We will definitely have to watch that together sometime. Can we please? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I feel like we didn't even get that far into A Court of Thorns and Roses. I feel like we only got through the first two books. I mean, what happens in the third book? Uh, there's a big war. Uh, yeah, but nothing really happens that much between Farah and Resand. The love story is just like them continuing to support each other, sacrificing themselves for each other almost. Oh my god! <gasps> what? Kate, that's right! Okay. Do you remember when I was reading that and, you know, spoiler alerts. Spoiler, read spoiler. Books, read the books, read the books. But there was a moment where Resand died mm -hmm. and I... I cried. I I was eating food when it happened and I had to spit it out because I couldn't swallow because I was too choked up oh, on my no. own tears. Okay, I cried, but I also didn't think it was real. And so I just started reading really, really fast. 
Because I was like, I got to get to the point where he's alive again. At least you held out hope. I thought that this book was just one of those books that was just going to give it to you in that sense. And so I I cried. I cried to you. <laughs> I I think I called a friend who oh, no. didn't even know anything about the Did you finish the, the scene, though? No, oh, no, no, I didn't. Because if I had finished the scene, then I would have known that he didn't really, really die. Well, I mean, I guess he did die, but he wouldn't stay dead. I put the book down and I sobbed in bed for the longest time. I could not handle it. Okay, I guess some things happen in the next book. You know what's hilarious, though, is like, okay, what? I got the sixth Harry Potter book at the midnight release, so like Half-Blood Prince. I got the midnight release and the next day I went on vacation with my grandma <laughs> And so, of course, I'm reading, like, the sixth Harry Potter book, the whole vacation, and then I get to the part where Dumbledore dies. Spoiler again, but, like, it's an old book. Dumbledore dies, and I'm just crying. I'm like, Grandma, Dumbledore died. And she's like, I don't know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) Did she at least comfort you? Like, I know, honey, it happened. I'm sure she was so nice. Dumbledore's in a better place now. (laughs) I don't remember, but I'm sure she was really nice about it. Oh. <laughs> inconsolable <laughs> here's the thing grandma probably read her share of books especially since there was probably less you know media in her time and you know books were like the thing <laughs> i don't know I'm, I'm sure she could understand <laughs> maybe I'm, i don't really remember but she was kind whatever happened oh. One of my friends was recently telling me because she's aware that I'm really big into smut novels and she was telling me how her grandma, who has now since passed, was also really big into smut novels and she has her grandma's Kindle and (gasps) she showed me her whole library and it's like, oh my God. God, she loves smut novels. And so at her funeral, (gasps) her best friend who was still alive, when they were having the wake, she crept up to, you know, her friend and she tucked a smut novel into her friend's casket. my God. Before they closed it. Oh, my God. That's so... I thought that was just beautiful. That is so beautiful. (laughs) Like, I'm so touched. Kate? Yeah. Goodness forbid... If, one if of anything us- ever happens, one of us, let's make a deal. Okay. That we will sneak. Not not even a court of thorns and roses, but a court of mist and fury. I want. I was we literally to- gonna say I don't want any <laughs> random smut novel. I want a court nope. of mist and fury. That's what I want to reread for the rest of my ghost life. Deal. Okay. That's what each of us will get. Then. If if it happens, which I'm won't. not even gonna sneak it in. I want to do it as part of the ceremony. I'm be like, she uh, I'm gonna give this. a eulogy. <laughs> Kate, if if it happens oh to you, God. but you won't. Knock on wood. It won't. It's not. But <laughs> Knock I on wood, would young give a eulogy. I will. I I will read the throne scene at <laughs> your wake, and I'll be like, you guys, this is what Kate wanted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we keep talking about the throne scene, but I also I really like the scene in the inn. Which one? The one bed trope scene. You know, wait, wait, wait. Okay. refresh refresh my memory. Okay, okay. So it's Akamath. They are going up in the mountains so Farrah can practice her magic, but they go too far and they have to stay in an inn for the night. Uh, the only room left is in the attic and it's only one bed and it's really tight. Do you know what I'm talking about now? No, but you can go on. It's literally just like, it's just, he just uses his hands. <gasps> But it's so good. I can remember bits and pieces. I feel like that's such a common thing in a lot of smut novels where it's like, oh, no, we're stuck at an inn. Yes, it's the one bed trope, which is such a great trope. I love it. It's a great little fantasy. You know what I think it is, especially with the whole inn trope? It's the baby it's cold outside dilemma. And hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. So with <laughs> with baby it's cold outside, a lot of people have since revisited the lyrics and they're like, oh, no, that song is kind of a salty in a way because she's saying no and he's not letting her. And I get that. I get that. There's definitely a universe where that's valid. It may even be this one. My <laughs> my interpretation some of the time is she wants to stay she wants to and all of the reasons that she's giving are about other people because she has to try to maintain in her eyes some 
dignity and she has to have an excuse, like a reason to stay. And he's giving her the reasons. And I feel like that's very similar with these insanes. It's like, oh, I'm a proper lady. But if we have to, <laughs> you know, yeah. be in this tiny inn together, like, oh, I then I suppose we must. <laughs> it's like I would sleep on the floor, but there's no room. The hay on the floor is too <laughs> scratchy. We must share the bed, I suppose. <laughs> the, okay, but what you bring up about baby it's cold outside, I actually heard the same thing from a historian. What? A historian on like TikTok or YouTube or something was saying that, hey, if you look at this song within the context of the time, she's saying, if I don't leave, what will people think? All of her anxiety is about what society will think about her if she stays. And there's also, of course, that reality of a man is trying to get like a woman to stay and she's actually uncomfortable. Like obviously she there are times where she will say like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't. And she'll lift she'll list like external reasons and that happens and that sucks and the guy shouldn't pressure her anymore. There was a quote that I read from actually like another smut author. Consent is not the absence of a no, but the presence of a yes you can feel when there is a presence of the yes even if it's not necessarily like vocalized which obviously it can be vocalized and it should be not just oh well she didn't technically say no i don't know it, it's such a, a hard line to walk sometimes i get that it's always better to be safe than sorry but i think you can just interpret that song in in different ways if you wanted to that's one of the things that is so beautiful about literature. Music is basically a poem that's being sung. The power is in your interpretation. I feel the same way about Tamlin. So many people online really, really hate him. Basically, like I see a little bit of myself in Tamlin, especially when I was younger. I feel like I was like really controlling with my partner because I had so much anxiety. I wouldn't want them to go out alone in case something happened. I wouldn't want them to go to a concert because what if there was a shooter? And that has all to do with just like how anxious I was and I needed to manage that anxiety and not manage another person. Uh, Interesting. Anyways, but yes, yeah, so like you you do kind of project your own experiences in life on characters and books or situations and books. Yeah, a lot of people just really dislike Tamlin because maybe they related a little bit more to Feyre but also like when people are reading these books they're kind of like using them as a form of escapism to their own fantasies and in their own fantasies nobody wants to imagine themselves as I mean not the bad guy because I wouldn't necessarily call Tamlin the bad guy but yeah he does do some bad things and nobody wants to imagine themselves as part of that but I don't know sometimes you do have to acknowledge that you're not always the good person in your own story sure like everyone is shades of gray 50 shades of gray <laughs> oh, perhaps maybe a hundred <laughs> we see the same thing when like pharaoh looks at herself in the mirror the mirror shows you who you really are and it says like you know for hours she saw who she really was like all of the bad things and she just screamed and cried but then she eventually started seeing the good things as well and i don't know if you really know yourself you know that you're a project to be worked upon yeah, Farrah did do some not great things either. And she, you know what? I will say she can be a little high and mighty, <laughs> I think. But in the first book, when she was just like, all right, I'm going to kill this innocent fairy to save my own love. She didn't She didn't hesitate as much as I thought she would have. I thought it was going to go a different direction, but she was just like, all right, I'm doing it. Let's do it. See, I wouldn't have hesitated at all because I'm an <gasps> Kate? She wasn't just saving her love. She was saving all of fairy kind. <laughs> But she does redeem herself because remember, she's like in the enemy's camp and she saves that innocent girl who's being tortured. Yes. Like that was a bit of a redemption because I also would have left that girl. Okay. I'm a Slytherin. I don't know what else I can tell you. Oh my goodness. Feyre <laughs> is definitely a Gryffindor, maybe. Yeah, that's Feyre and Resand. Resand, the, the ultimate hottie hottie book boyfriend hopefully hulu doesn't mess it up god i hope they don't mess it up don't mess it up hulu no pressure do you want to rate how spicy it is it's probably like two out of five no really yes because it takes so long to get to the spice and then the spice it's but the quality <laughs> okay okay you know what i take it back i take it back i'll give it a three out of five okay 
We talked about that throne throne room scene for a long time and there's no penetration that's true (laughs) the series is definitely like big on slow burns yes it is slow burn perfection i like slow burn i like level three spice (laughs) i think it's because i've been reading these other books like neon gods like a touch of darkness and they're quite quite spicy and does that make them better books not necessarily (laughs) but you know for the whole series I like the book. It's so well written, but I think I would give it a two and a half to a three on the spice meter out of five. That's a good point. I would give Akamath, the second book, a four. There's, they're not frequent scenes, what? but they're really well done. <gasps> Kate, you know? I cannot uh. wait for you to read the final book, the one from Nesta's POV. Oh my gosh. Because, oh my God, the spice. Spice. I would even give it a four out of five. Uh, I wouldn't give it a five necessarily just because, again, the other smut that I've been reading is like, holy shit. But for this series, it is the spiciest. Damn. See, and that's why I thought we should do its own episode because I have heard that there is legendary spice. Yeah, now that I'm caught up, I can start reading it. Because it's not that long compared to the other ones either. So It's a monster, but at least it's not like it is, four books long. It'll just be one. just fine. <laughs> Speaking of Legendary Spice, next week we have a special guest joining us from another corner of the Audio Smut universe. See you there! <laughs>